Hey Outliers, we're back again this week with a brand new edition of Cheat Sheet, which just for a bit of context, Cheat Sheet is a free newsletter that you can receive in your inbox every single Thursday, where we compress six plus hours of research and interviews into three big ideas that you can read in five minutes. And effectively, the kind of context and background for this is every single week, we release around 90 minutes to two hours of interviews with one guest. In addition to all of those interviews that basically get condensed down into what you can listen to or what you can watch on YouTube as episodes every single week, there's a lot that's left on the cutting room floor. There's a lot of research that's done that we don't end up covering. And so one of the things that we wanted to try was to try to compress all of the research and all of the interviews into just three big ideas that you can read in five minutes. So you can sign up for this as a free newsletter at cheatsheetnewsletter.com. And you also can listen to it in our podcast feed uh, with the rest of the episodes we release each week as part of Outlier Academy. This week's episode is all about category creation, languaging, and why competition is for losers. This week, we profiled one of the internet's most read writers. His name is Nicholas Cole, with 100 million views of his writing and counting, in his latest book, Snow Leopard, How Legendary Writers Create a Category of One, with co-authors Eddie Yoon and Christopher Lockheed of Category Pirates, which is a paid Substack newsletter that you can sign up for. You can learn more about them at CategoryPirates.com. Here are the three big ideas in this week's cheat sheet. The first one is that competition is for losers and it's something to be avoided at all costs. The second, as an example of category creation, is how 8sleep created the sleep fitness category. This was a conversation back in episode number 88 with Alexandra Zatarain, who's one of the co-founders and VP of brand and marketing at 8sleep. And it's a fascinating example of what we're going to talk about in action. And then the third idea is how to find and create your own category of one. This episode wouldn't be complete if we didn't make it actionable. And so in this last portion of today's episode, we're going to try to cover how you can find and create your own category. The quotes that we open this episode with, we've got two of them. The first is from the book Snow Leopard, and it's writers without niches are starving artists. Writers with niches are category kings. You're going to learn more about why that's the case, why that's the result of competition in just a few minutes. And the second is from Peter Thiel, who's going to feature quite a few times for the rest of the episode today. And this quote, it's a little bit kind of broken, but I think it's really profound. And it's all happy companies are different. Each one earns a monopoly by solving a unique problem. All failed companies are the same. They failed because they failed to escape competition. So starting with number one, we're actually going to start with a principle. And that principle this week is that competition is for losers and it's something to be avoided at all costs. I'm just going to read from the newsletter and I'll add a bit of commentary as it makes sense. We're all taught that competition is good, that it evens the playing field, creates fairer markets, and promotes innovation, which is a wonderful way to think about it academically. But in truth, every business spends an enormous amount of time and money trying to escape competition because direct, more often called perfect competition, is destructive and creates a zero-sum dynamic where no one prevails. So just really quickly, like what are some of the examples of how businesses spend an enormous amount of time and money trying to escape competition? In my experience, there's no shortage of examples. It's everything from looking at what your competitors are doing and trying to do it better. It's everything from how you name your product, how you talk about your product, thinking of clever ways to be able to frame it differently than your competition. And so generally, when you look at all the business activities that companies do as they think about how they compete with their competition, it all is along the act 
axis of better. So they're not trying to compete by offering something different to customers. They're trying to beat their competition by offering something better. And it's typically marginally better. Although you as a team, you as the founder might think it's much, much better. A lot of times you fail to communicate that in a really compelling way. And from a customer's perspective, you blend in with the rest of the competition. And what we're going to talk about today is why you want to stop competing along this axis of better and why you want to start competing along this axis of different which is all about category creation. So I talked about perfect competition. Here's a quick refresher. Perfect competition is the situation prevailing in a market in which buyers and sellers are so numerous and well-informed that all elements of monopoly are absent and the market price of a commodity is beyond the control of individual buyers and sellers. One of the best examples of perfect competition is the airline industry, where a large number of companies compete directly with one another with nearly identical products. They're selling similar seats on similar airplanes from and to similar destinations, which is why it's been widely cited and talked about that in the 100 plus year history of the airline industry, that the cumulative profits generated rounds to zero. And I linked to an article here. It's from the National Bureau of, I think, Economic Research that is around a specific time frame. I think it was looking at from... 1980 all the way through 2010. So it's looking at a portion of this 100-year history of the airline industry, but this literally broadly holds up. And all the research that I did trying to validate this, I found nothing that discredited that point of view. And so I think the airline, the reason I use that is the airline industry is something that everybody listening has experience with. And it is the perfect example of perfect competition because every company has their own twist and their own angle of what they're selling. But at the end of the day, if you strip away the branding, if you strip away the marketing messages and you literally just experienced what it was like to fly on one airline or another, or just looked at photos of what you were buying on one airline for another, I think you would be hard pressed to really tell how they're different. And so what you see is direct head-to-head competition, which is a fantastic way to destroy all of the benefits of actually competing, which is your ability to generate profits by not just competing, but by being able to have or own or generate profits from some percentage of that market. So now we're going to make a transition. I'm going to introduce Peter Thiel and how some of his ideas feature and make sense within this context. In Peter Thiel's view, there's really just two types of businesses, perfectly competitive ones and monopolies. Here's what he had to say in Sam Altman's famous Stanford CS183B, How to Start a Startup Class. I do think the extreme binary view of the world I always articulate is that there are exactly two kinds of businesses in this world. There are businesses that are perfectly competitive and there are businesses that are monopolies. There is shockingly little that is in between. And in the newsletter, which again, you can sign up for, you can view at cheatcheatnewsletter.com. I link to how to start a startup. Sam Altman has this on his website with all the talks, all the videos, amazing transcripts. So if you're interested, if you want to watch that video, please, please, please subscribe and go and look at that in the newsletter. So in Peter Thiel's views, monopolies aren't bad, they're ideal. And, you know, this is something that initially I didn't really make this connection. You know, we're talking in all the interviews with Nicholas Cole, especially as it relates to Snow Leopard, we're talking about category creation. But what became clear the more I thought about the book, the more I thought about the context of the book, is that it's really about avoiding competition. And it's about this idea that inevitably, or maybe a better way of saying it is by default, 
businesses don't try to be different and they try to just compete on being better. And we'll talk about this a little bit later in the newsletter. A lot of this happens because companies imitate. You know, you come into an industry, you look at what your competitors are doing and you try to do it similarly, but better. And so there's a lot of imitation. There's risk aversion to being different. So everyone kind of defaults to head-to-head competition that is similar to perfect competition that we just talked about. And on the other side of the spectrum from perfect competition is a monopoly. And monopolies are generally thought of as bad. You know, I was looking for artwork for this week's newsletter and you type in monopoly cartoons into Google search and it's all the worst takes on why monopolies are terrible. And there are certainly instances of where from certain perspectives, monopolies weren't positive, but here we're not talking about monopolies that are destroying the world, destroying competition, doing things that are unethical. Here, we're just talking about this idea of let's avoid competition and let's try to have a monopoly on something. And we can have a monopoly on something by entering an industry and deciding to have a very different point of view. We don't have to do deceptive, terrible, bad things. And so here, I think it's a challenge for any of you that hear monopoly and think bad. It's not a bad thing. You know, what we're just trying to say is on one hand, there's direct competition where you're grinding it out head to head with your competitors and it's largely a zero sum game. And on the other end of the spectrum, there's trying to create a category and own that category. And that's literally the subtitle of the book. So Snow Leopard, the subtitle is how legendary writers create a category of one. And in the book, the whole idea is why you want to do that, which is avoid competition, create something that you can own. Okay, I'm going to go back to reading because having a monopoly helps you to avoid direct competition and gives you the best chance of creating a valuable company. As Peter Thiel says, to create a valuable company, you have to both create something of value and capture some fraction of the value of what you created. Creating a monopoly helps with the latter. It helps with capturing that value. One of the best ways to move from a perfectly competitive business to a monopoly is to create known category. By creating a category, you can narrow and even eliminate all of your direct competition. You move from competing by trying to be better than your competitors across one or multiple axes to selling something different entirely. So now we're going to move on to point two and talk about an example of this. You know, so I've just talked about this idea of why competition is terrible. The fact that you, what you actually want to do is be able to create a monopoly. The monopolies aren't bad that you're trying to effectively create a monopoly in a small area or in a niche or a portion of a market. And that's not a bad thing. So let's talk about an example. So the second thing is a case study and it's a case study of how eight sleep created the sleep fitness category. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this is, you know, we now have 140 plus episodes It's a great way to be able to connect ideas so we can just make more compelling points. And I thought this was a great way to take something that might seem philosophical and high level and really ground it in a real example. Okay, so I'm going to read a bit from the newsletter and I'll add more context in a bit. Eat Sleep is a fantastic example of a company that moved from perfect competition to monopoly by creating their own category, which they called Sleep Fitness. But that didn't happen on day one. It was actually a response to feedback from Keith Raboy, who was the investor leading their Series B. Keith is someone, just add a bit of context really quick. Keith is someone that I got a chance to work with at Square who is just phenomenal. You know, I think his ability to be original, his ability to think differently, his ability to have conviction and be able to act on that conviction is incredibly inspiring. And so he's someone who, you know, I continue to draw a lot of inspiration from. It just happened to be that he was a part of this story, which is cool. Like most companies, Eight Sleep started by imitating their competitors and companies they thought were focused on their target customer. Here's how Alexandra Zatarain, co-founder and VP of Brand and Marketing, described the early days in episode 88. So this is Alexandra. I'm just going to read a little bit of what she said. 
There's a lot of power in imitation, but I do believe now that when you're building a brand, your brand is about your own beliefs about what the world should look like in your position in that world. You need to have a really strong point of view. I don't think that you can build that out of imitation or A-B testing. When we started, there was no clarity on who we were. We knew what we were building. We knew the problems we wanted to solve, but from a brand perspective, we were much, much weaker. Fast forward a couple of years and 8sleep had an incredible product, a smart mattress that heated and cooled you so you could get the best sleep of your life, but their sales were floundering. They were competing with every other legacy and new mattress company to sell a better product to customers hunting for their next mattress. They were engaged in perfect competition. Then came the lightning strike moment as Alexandra Zatarin told it. Then as we raised our Series B, the investor that came in at that time, this was Keith Raboy, was like, you guys need to change the positioning of this company or you're going to go nowhere. People are just going to think that you're a mattress company with technology, which you certainly aren't. That one comment changed everything and led 8sleep down the path of creating an entirely new category that they called sleep fitness. This is one of the things we'll talk about in a second. We talk about category creation. It's not this insanely complex act. It's the act of thinking deeply about your category. So what you're selling, what you're creating, the problem that you're solving, the solution that you're offering customers, and then trying to come up with literally two to three words that can differentiate you from your competition and that are the basis of you creating an entirely new category. And in Eight Sleep's case, that just happened to be sleep fitness. So literally two words, one of which is sleep, the other is fitness. Relatively unremarkable words, and yet they join these together and it's been the foundation for an incredible competitive advantage for them. They weren't selling you a mattress. They were selling you the best sleep of your life so that you could wake up and perform at your best. They described their products as having sleep fitness technology and created an app that displayed your sleep fitness score every morning. Okay, so that's the example. We've gone from talking at a high level about why you want to create a category. It's all about avoiding competition and being able to realize the value, capture some of the value of what you created. Every business, you're offering value to your customers. Your job, if you want to survive, if you want to thrive, if you want to have a sustainable business, is to capture enough of that value, enough of the value of what you've created, which for all founders listening, you realize how hard an act that is. It might sound that that would be relatively easy. You just put something on the market and you put a price on it and you're good to go. That is not the case at all. So now let's talk about a framework. So we talked about this eight sleep example of literally going through this exercise of they had a ton of clarity early on on what they were building. They knew the problems they wanted to solve, but they had no idea how to articulate that. And that left them in this direct head-to-head competition with Casper and every other mattress company you can think about that are all trying to compete for the same thing, which is you're going to get great sleep. It's going to cool you. It's all this same general value props. And yet Eight Sleep finds a way to create a new category, which is all around sleep fitness. And they thread that needle through everything. If you're interested in seeing just how good a job they have done of incorporating this idea of sleep fitness into everything, go to their website, eightsleep.com. Literally on the homepage, you know, there's one section towards the bottom. That's our mission, sleep fitness. They talk about sleep fitness score. They talk about sleep fitness all the time. They use it in blog posts. They've used it in PR. It's everywhere. And so one of the ways that I've kind of thought about this that I wanted to share is, you know, I think when you're creating this term, something like sleep fitness, which it's almost very similar to deciding what your brand colors are. And your job, once you make that decision is to paint everything that you do in your brand colors. And the reason that you're doing that is to create associations with customers, to deepen those associations with customers and to make it so that you show up in the world as a singular, compelling thing that people can remember. And it's the same thing with words. And what's really happening here is languaging, which we're going to talk about in a second. 
So we end this week's newsletter and this week's episode with a framework. And that framework is how to find and create your own category of one. As evidenced by Eight Sleep's move to sleep fitness, much of the initial work to create a category comes down to what Snow Leopard calls languaging, which is the strategic use of language to change thinking. This is something Nicholas Cole said much better in one of the interviews, which is that what languaging is all about is you're trying to take an idea that's in someone's mind and you're trying to move that to a different location. So you're trying to take some thing that they don't think is remarkable or interesting or that they have one perspective on, and you're trying to shift that, break it, move it in their mind and be able to own that movement and this new association. Here's a quick overview from page 165 of Snow Leopard. Category design is a game of thinking. You're responsible for changing the way a reader, customer, consumer, or user thinks. And you are successful when you've moved their thinking from the old way to the new and different way you are educating them about. The way to do this is with words. But before you start the process of identifying the two to three words that will define your category, yes, that's really all you get, you need to start by developing a strong point of view. And this is something we're going to talk about in a second. This was a challenging area where we're trying to take all of this information and boil it down into three points you can read in five minutes. This was an area where I felt like I probably should. I felt like I wanted to expound on what a point of view is. But one of the challenges here is to try to keep this as brief as possible. And so I just want to say you need to start by developing a strong point of view. This is a big idea. And I'm trying to flesh that out throughout the rest of the newsletter as best I can. But it's something I could go on much, much, much longer about. If you're interested in reading about this, there's an entire chapter on languaging in Snow Leopard. It starts at page 165. And it's one of the best chapters in the book, at least if you're at the stage where you want to figure out how to apply this, you're sold on this idea of creating a category and that it's important. And you want to just get to figuring out how to do it, I highly recommend you go and buy it. And there's a whole chapter on languaging, developing a point of view that starts on page 165. Here's how Snow Leopard frames the importance of having a very clearly defined point of view. Companies and creators with unclarified, undefined POVs eventually come to the conclusion that they have a problem. Sales are down, attention is sparse, but they end up stating that the root of the problem in the way they ask for help, which is typically we need to work on our messaging. And they literally use that word messaging. More times than not, what they mean when they say messaging isn't actually messaging, but point of view. And this is something that's held up in my experience. I have a background in design. I I spend an enormous amount of time working with founders and helping them with uh, design and branding and marketing of the companies that they're creating. And this is something I come across all the time, which is just a very clear idea of the mission of the company, very clear idea of the problem they want to solve, but just the team's not at the stage or they just frankly haven't put in the work to try to develop a really, really, really strong point of view. And we're going to talk about what that means in a second. But that point of view, just to go back to Alexandra's quote, I think she said it perfectly. And when we say unique point of view and a singular point of view, what we're saying there is one, this is a way to get you out of this imitation game of looking at your competitors and trying to imitate them or looking at people that you're impressed by and trying to imitate them. This gets you out of that game and this gets you into the game of originality. And in the quote, I'm just going back to the quote here earlier in the newsletter, you need to have a really strong point of view. I don't think that you can build that out of imitation or A-B testing. When we started, there was no clarity around it. We knew what we were building. We knew the problems we wanted to solve. But from a brand perspective, we were much, much, much 
weaker. So I'm just going to say this is absolutely borne out in my experience. And I think this idea of needing to spend time to clarify and define your point of view and that your point of view, which should be both timely, meaning it's it's applicable now, but it's also timeless. It's something that shouldn't change for a very, very, very long time scale. And so as an example, just to go back to sleep fitness, that should never go out of style. It's this idea that you're not sleeping because you love mattresses. You're not out there mattress shopping. You're looking for every advantage that you can get in life. And one of those is to make sure that you're getting the best sleep. And eight sleep, when it comes to sleep fitness, is going to be the best option for you. And everything is oriented around that. So to develop your true north point of view on your category, there's a simple three-step process. And this I really like. And in the book, they just call it frame it, name it, claim it. And those are the same steps I'm using here. So the first one is frame it. And what that really means is you need to paint a picture of the world you want to create and figure out your role in that world. So again, this goes back to exactly what Alexandra was saying, that you need to do this exercise of projecting forward in time. Every founder has this incredibly difficult task. You're trying to build something that's likely going to take three, five, 10 years to realize and bring to fruition. So you need to figure out what that is and be able to have this extremely vivid idea in your mind of what you want to create. And that is this step all around framing it. The second thing is naming it. And this one, it's not difficult. Nicholas Cole even says this in one of the interviews that this isn't a difficult process. It just takes time. It takes effort. You need to put in the work to do it. And what this is, is all about finding the two to three words that most powerfully and provocatively communicate your point of view. And I think both of those are important. One of the things that comes up time and time again, you know, the book has many examples of great languaging, great category creation. Most of the best categories, at least when they're first introduced, are provocative. It is a provocative idea. It is something very very different from what others are offering or how people have typically talked about a category. And so when it comes to naming it, again, this exercise is find two to three words that most powerfully and provocatively communicate your point of view. Then the last one is to claim it. And in the book, there's not a clear idea of what claiming it is. So I'm going to introduce my own. And what claiming it is from my perspective is you need to go all in. This is a full send. You need to not be timid about it. You don't need to be trying to test to see if this is actually the point of view. You need to go all in on this vision you've created, these two to three words that you've identified, and you need to go all in and need to thread that point of view through everything that you do. And again, one of the best examples I would just share is eight sleep and this idea of sleep fitness, because one sleep and fitness, this shows up in their photography style. They're featuring athletes. They're featuring people that look very healthy. They're featuring high-end CEOs and high-end investors on the site. These are people that are chasing performance. They're looking for fitness in every area of their life, and they know how important sleep is, and they want to have the best sleep experience. And eight sleep is the way to do that. And so I think they've just done a masterful job of landing on two words that on their own are very unremarkable, joining those together and then threading that needle through everything that you do. And again, just to go back to that point, what do I mean when I say thread the needle? I say this all the time creatively. And I think anyone who's a marketing person or a designer will totally get what I'm talking about. And what I'm talking about is just really simply, again, think of these words like your brand colors or like your logo. Your job is to put that on everything. Because again, and we've covered this in many, many, many episodes. One of the best episodes on this is my conversation with HVMN, which makes drinkable ketones. The founder there, Brandon, does just an an amazing job of talking about this idea of synesthesia and how at HVMN, if you can go and follow him on Twitter, you can go on HVMN's website and look it up. And again, that's HVMN. It's kind of like human, but spelled with four letters. But everything that they do has a same feel. It has the same look to it. They're using the same colors. Sorry, Michael Brandt is his name at Brandon, talks about this as synesthesia. 
So that's basically the idea here. It's just when I say thread the needle, I mean, it's not just a thing to like put it in the headline on your homepage and call it a day. You need to figure out how to thread this into everything that you do. Thread it internally into your mission statement, the way you talk to your team, thread it externally to how you talk to your investors in the press. Eight Sleep's done this. Sleep Fitness is all in their PR announcements and in blog posts. So thread that needle. Don't just put it one place. This is something that you now, you know, it's like that old axiom. People haven't heard it until you've said it a hundred times, you know, until they've basically asked you to stop saying it. It's the same thing here. You just need to claim it. And that means go all in and thread that point of view through everything that you do. So again, those three steps, frame it, name it, and claim it. In Eight Sleep's case, they knew from day one that they weren't a mattress company. Their goal was to fuel human potential through optimal sleep which they ended up calling sleep fitness and then threading through everything that they do. They develop sleep fitness technology. That's literally how they talk about it in all caps. I think it's a registered trademark. They provide you with a sleep fitness score in the app. Their mission literally on their homepage is sleep fitness. So my challenge to you to close out this week is what can you frame name and claim to create your own category? And again, if you're interested in reading, if you're interested in clicking through to some of the links, you can find what we just covered and you can sign up for this newsletter at cheatsheetnewsletter.com. In this newsletter, I'm just going to give you the URL. It's kind of cringeworthy. I'll include it in the show notes as well too, but it's cheatsheetnewsletter.com slash P slash category dash creation dash and dash avoiding dash competition. So much, much, much easier just to go to cheatsheetnewsletter.com. But this episode, this edition is all about category creation, languaging, and why competition is for losers. Thank you so much for listening. I hope this has been helpful. Please subscribe at cheapcheatnewsletter.com.